You're listening to. Whoa! Welcome back to another episode of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. My name is Mario Renier. And I'm Rira Yu. We're here to talk about our April book club pick, Bangkok Wakes to Rain by Pachaya Sudbanthan. Yeah. As always, this is your spoiler warning. Uh, we're going to be talking all about this book. So if you haven't read the book yet and you care about that sort of thing, it's time to stop listening, go read the book, and then come back and join us. Happy APAM, Marvin. It is May, isn't it? It is. Holy crap. It's our month. It's our month. That's why there's like events every single night. Yeah, And then it will be our month again in August because Asian August. It's not Asian August this year, though. It's more Asian summer. We can can reclaim it. A lot of films coming out in May, too. Mm. I am excited for the Detective Pikachu film that is coming out very soon. At, At first, I was like, this looks bad. But then I saw Sonic. I was like, no, it looks good. No, it looks good. It looks fine. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. And you just got back from New York. I did. I was in New York for Tribeca. um, Saw a couple films. um, And I'm back in town because tonight's the start of the the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival put on by our friends at Visual Communications. And their offices are where our podcast studio is located. So um, if you hear sounds of things being moved around and people talking in the background, it's because they're busy with um, gearing up for their opening night. We we are grateful that we have this space. <laughs> but with that, let's um, let's get into the book. Rira, All right. let's start us off. All right. As always, we start with the book jacket. A missionary doctor pines for his native New England, even as he succumbs to the vibrant chaos of 19th century Siam. A post-World War II society woman marries, mothers, and holds court, little suspecting her solitary fate. A jazz pianist in the age of rock, haunted by his own ghosts, is summoned to appease the house's resident spirits. In the present, a young woman tries to outpace the long shadow of her political past, and in a new crunktep, yet to come, savvy teenagers row tourists past landmarks of the drowned old city they themselves do not remember. Time collapses as these lives collide and converge, linked by the forces voraciously making and remaking the amphibious, ever-morphing capital itself. And that is Bangkok Wakes to Rain. Yeah. So where should we start with this one? Because I feel like All right. this book, more than any other book we've read, I, I don't know. There's like there's so many ways we can start. Yes. Right? Yeah, that's the thing. This book is very non-linear. Like, you can literally just start on a chapter i feel like like open a random chapter in the book and that can be the beginning because everything is so uh interchangeable you have characters who you know are briefly introduced and then like decades later they come back and they have like (laughs) significance um but what do you feel about this type of story for me um i don't know like my my feelings are kind of torn like half and half because i really don't like I, I feel like in my experience I've never really had a good experience with nonlinear stories <laughs> simply because um I'm very type A and I'm like give me the things in a linear way but um I think Pichaya did a really good job um interweaving stories. Um this this book there's a lot of water in it. Yeah. So it makes sense that his structure would be so fluid and time goes back and forth and um you're jumping characters and in the end they kind of gather into one large body so (laughs) it it really did match the the themes of the book yeah it's very um shoot i had an analogy in my head but i totally forgot it oh but my analogy (laughs) (laughs) it's it trumps yours well yeah i mean i feel like while while i was reading it i you know because his prose is so like would lush be it right we're like yeah, very yeah. descriptive very like tactile yes right? yes and you know you find yourself being invested in the story that, that he's telling only to find that the next chapter is about a different person and it it, 
it you don't get used to it because like you know um you want to know what happens to these, to these characters next but you're always looking forward to when they come back around yeah um and like water is a big theme in this book either through rain or oceans or swimming pools and it makes sense because bangkok is a very wet place yes like it's 100% humidity every single day <laughs> <laughs> well i i've never been but i'm i'm guessing yeah that that it a lot of rain a lot <laughs> a lot of rain a lot of humidity I mean, it's yeah, it's it's a Southeast Asian country, so they, they go through monsoon seasons. Mm-hmm. And actually, I have family out there, so they they always tell me about like just seeing the floods yeah. roll in. Um. So, what did you think about the opening of the chapter, the opening of the book? Because for me, um, it was really kind of ambiguous. Because I was just like, who who is this character? It's the the character yeah. is unnamed. You don't really know what time period it is. So I think it was meant to be. And yeah, it was totally yeah, meant to be. I spent the entire book trying to figure out who it was, I and mean, they reveal it later. Yeah, but um, right, and and memory plays a big role. Like memory is a huge thing about this this story too, right? And what what memory means and why it's important. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like the preservation of those memories. Um, and in a way, the memories that the book like talks about is more than just human memories. It's the memories of place, memories of culture and heritage. And throughout the story, customs change, traditions change, but a lot of things stay the same. And a lot of, um, Bangkok or Krantep is characterized as a place that's actually pretty resistant to change. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I thought the juxtaposition between like, like technology in Bangkok mixed in with like the street hawkers and just like like you have these skyscrapers but you also have monks asking for alms and <laughs> I was just like wow like that isn't that like pretty much the story of any Asian country because yeah. it's like you're fighting against technology while trying to hold on to customs and rituals and as time goes by you kind of question which like which customs, which traditions actually do matter because yeah. as time goes on, uh, you kind of think you're just like, oh, this is kind of questionable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's that, right? When it comes to things like health and like the development of health tech, if you can call yeah. it that, is a, is a big through line with, throughout the story, starting from the storyline of Phineas, the missionary doctor. Yeah. Um, all the way to June. Yeah. Yeah, June, the daughter of Mai's plastic surgeon. Yes. Right, who is a future nurse or mm-hmm. a future home doctor, I guess. Yeah, future, yeah, a future home doctor. I yeah. thought that was interesting because, uh, the, I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, but the disease that plagues, um, um, it's cholera. Yeah, yeah. cholera. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it comes back. Yeah. In like the future. And, I was like, oh, yeah. Just like measles is coming back today. <laughs> oh, my. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> like, oh, God. Anyway, um, I guess, like, for me, I th- like, one, since we brought up Phineas, I'm going to just talk about Phineas. And we can start from the beginning, which is Phineas. I, right? I guess so, Phineas. So I thought, Logically speaking. I thought it was really funny because uh, you think about you th- you think about like fish out out of water movies where uh-huh. like with the white guy going to like an Asian country and it's just like oh these savages I need to like correct <laughs> their ways or their medicine is so primitive like I'm going to educate them yeah but and it's like such a white male savior type of view yeah but like Phineas's story is not that it's kind of framed in the beginning like you're just like okay is he gonna like well yeah. cure the village because he's a doctor but in the end he just gets sick and yeah. he just he, yeah like he's just like okay this is kind of like an inverse of white male savior kind of but it's also like white male goes to asian country finds his quote-unquote real home real or forever home, home you yeah. know um i mean the whole first chapter which is like i think was was the second or third chapter of the book Okay. Right, right? Yeah, because like the first chapter, like I said, the opening yeah. with the ambiguous uh, mm-hmm. character who's walking through the house. Yeah, I think the second chapter is the the first chapter with Phineas. Oh, okay. 
And yeah, that would make sense. That that whole time was like this guy, <laughs> this guy, <laughs> you know, because um, you have like all the different tropes too, right? You have the the super judgy newcomer who thinks everything is like terrible, terrible and savage. He just wants to go home because this is it's basically it's the plot of Book of Mormon. Have you ever seen that? No, I haven't. It's basically that. Okay. That's his story, um, and you have the guy who's gone native right oh, the yeah. white guy who embraces the, the, culture. the engineer um yeah the the printer yeah 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 and then you have like the ch- the missionaries who like want to save everybody yeah they're here on on, on the, mission <laughs> and this is your first glimpse into how um bangkok is really resistant to change yeah i mean phineas's story i guess we can stay on phineas is that he ends up he he, he wants to transfer home but he ends up getting sick and as he gets sick he like develops how does he develop a love for the country like, well like what happens is that he gets sick and like uh i don't know if it's the witch do- no the witch doctor was dead but like yeah. but like uh like one one of like the thai uh villagers like takes care of him mm-hmm. and he, and he's just like this is not like british medicine this this <laughs> is the this is some like Thai concoction yeah. that hasn't been tested with science, but he gets better. And he's like, okay, well, clearly um, not everything is terrible. And I've there's serious, something here. There's something yeah. here. And I think that's like his first hint at like him um, realizing that he he's been too harsh on his judgment. And there are like different ways to um different like different ways that can cure a disease i guess and as like a doctor i think that is kind of like a life-changing moment for him i'm not sure but i mean i I think his story is also it's it's funny because it's the same tension you have in the other stories from the other eras where that one confrontation he has with the man who falls off the swing right where he wants to like use his knowledge of modern physiology to like treat him and make sure he's like carried in a way that won't kill him mm-hmm. and then in conflict with the witch doctor who wants to take him to go pray to the gods or something and it's like when it comes to that like you end up sympathizing with this colonizer guy right one thing i did like about this book is just the number of um like obviously we're jumping heads in the book yeah. but you also get like different um i guess like view lenses because you have like the white man coming to <laughs> coming to like a foreign country and hating it yeah. and then you have uh someone like sammy who you know was born in thailand kind of grew up during his childhood moved to london yeah was raised there kind of traveled around the world and then comes back to thailand so you have someone who is returning to the motherland well, he comes back and then he leaves again though. and then he leaves right. again and then you have um and then you have like Nock, who yeah. is you know living in Japan, and like you have all of these viewpoints. It's kind of like a prism, and <laughs> and like you kind of get a different Bangkok and different Thailand from each well, uh, each viewpoint. Yeah, I mean we we come back to place, right? And all the characters of this story is linked by their connection to place, and not just Bangkok, the city. But like a specific like block and building, yeah, the like, house, and house, right? And um, well, I mean, I, when I was reading those parts, I was thinking about just diaspora, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not just the Thai diaspora, but like the Chinese diaspora, the Korean diaspora, and the way we like, even if we leave our culture. And put down roots somewhere else. Like there's the memory of the culture that remains and is important. And I think that was the thing with Nock's story. Nock, who is the sister of Ni, who moves away to immigrate to Japan and opens a Thai restaurant and becomes the center of the Thai student community there. Yeah. Because she's giving them a taste of home. You have Sammy, who is, um, I guess you're typical, like 1.5 generation, right? Like Bangkok born, foreign educated. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say so. Right. Um, and what him and Nak both have in common is their desire to get away from like responsibilities or like their ties to their cultural like expectations 
Yeah. Right. Um, but still remaining Thai. Yeah. No matter where they are. It's like uh, with Sammy, as much as I hated Sammy. That guy was the worst. He, um, I could really relate with his his like point of view because he comes back to Bangkok and he he says multiple times in his inner monologue that he feels like a tourist because mm-hmm. like the city has changed so much. Yeah. But then he'll like get to a certain part of Bangkok where he recognizes parts of his childhood. And he's like, oh, actually, no, it didn't change like <laughs> as much as I thought it would. And I think that is like such a, a rela- relatable thing when it comes to like diaspora because <laughs> mm. you go back to the motherland and you're like, I don't recognize anything. But then you find like a little piece of home and you're yeah. like, OK, m- the feeling of not belonging, it it constantly goes back and forth in a seesaw with with like okay yeah i guess i am thai in the end of, <laughs> at the end of the day yeah i think sammy was probably the third or fourth chapter the one right after the phineas one when you first yeah. get introduced to him when he when he goes back to england right yeah because his dad yeah. has a stroke and he, he kind of has that same experience going back to england because he left england too to like run away because his dad uh pretty much had an affair with like another woman a a white woman and um and you know he just left because he didn't feel like he quite belonged there well you you kind of get a sense from that um restlessness in sammy like he doesn't feel like he belongs anywhere so he's constantly running and constantly being with other women and not taking responsibility. Yeah. Like, come on, dude. Like, use a condom. Like, how hard is that? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, he had a tough childhood. I know. I I but guess. then he, like, grew up rich. I mean, whatever. What, Sammy, whatever. Sammy as a character was not a good dude. <laughs> but he made for an interesting character. Yeah. Um, I really like that conversation between him and his dad. Mm. Um, when his dad asks him about, um, it's like, do you know uh, the, Bangkok's the like full, full name? name. Yeah. And uh, Sammy's like, of course I do. And he starts reciting it, but then he forgets midway. And yeah. his dad says, yeah, I I forgot too. And, it, it, and it's just like, wow, like, even though you try to retain as much culture as possible, of course, some things are going to be lost. Yeah. And I was like, well... It's really, it's a really sad scene. Also, like in that conversation, um, Sammy's father brings up the October massacre, and um, yeah, and like Sammy's just like, I don't know, I don't keep up with the news, <laughs> but uh, we're we're kind of like we're kind of brought back into Thailand, and we see through um, it was me and me um, and her um, college sweetheart Siri Siri Pong. I think that's how you pronounce his Siri name. Pong, yeah. Siri Pong, yeah, Siri Pong, yeah. I really liked Ni and Nox's stories the most. I think those two storylines were the anchors in this book. Yeah, I was really sad in, I think it was part the part two chapter where they have their falling out. Yeah, that was really, like, I And don't... I was like, I wanted to, like, skip ahead. Do they, do they like, make up? Um, it's just one of those relationships where, like, one of them dies and it's like, oh, no, regrets for life. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, it was it was really nice that they did make up in the end. It sounded like they yeah, made up in the end. And I kind of like that they didn't make they didn't zoom in on that scene. Yeah, they just said there's just something that happened because you get older, you get perspective. Yeah, right. And I mean that's another theme of the of the story is like as you progress through the the, the parts like the chapters, like all the characters start gaining perspective because they're older in their in their individual life points i guess yeah yeah like like i like how pig became a like sassy granny when she was (laughs) like the worst as a teenager (laughs) you really see growth and you really see um how not only the city changed but how like people's perspectives on the city changed and how they've adapted and um yeah, I do want to keep talking more about Ni and Nock because I feel like there's so much <laughs> going on in their storyline. I was actually really surprised that Siripong died and then it just like switched over to Ni. And then like you just kind of kept going with Ni. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> uh, 
It's I like, mean, that's the thing with this book, right? Characters appear for like half a chapter sometimes. And this, like, there's that one chapter, I think it was the beginning of part two, I want to say, where like it's, they change perspective like five times in that one chapter, right? It starts with the wolves and it goes to the guy who's like guarding the house in the guardhouse. And it goes like his, his son, I guess, or his nephew, who's one of the construction workers, and then goes into the office manager. Oh, yeah, yeah, tenants, you're right. I, right. I do remember this chapter. And in that one chapter, it spans maybe like a couple years in yeah. itself. And like when I was reading through that chapter, I was like, I was, it was taking me for a ride. Yeah. Because <laughs> like in a movie, it's just like you just see a montage. Yeah. And with a book that does not work. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to put more effort into figuring out uh when things change and yeah. transitions and whatnot. But I think it was pretty much seamless. It was pretty seamless, but it was just like it goes from the scene where the kid does drugs and climbs up a, a, a tower, right? To like the next scene. It doesn't say it passes, but it says that like an accident happened. Yeah, it was people when, thought this building was haunted. It, yeah, right? it's it's when um, this is where you kind of get uh, crossing threads here. But mm-hmm. it's the it's like the old it, it's Sammy's old house, like the house that he grew up in. Yeah, and then his mom is like, "Well, I'm going to sell this house so they can build a condo out of it." And that's where like the yeah. guy falls to his death because he's doing he's doing construction on it. Right, and then. And then, like, tenants are like, "It's this is not a nice place to live because there's a death here. Yeah. And it's, like, bad luck and a lot of superstition. Well, then Nii works at that place, teaches swimming to kids. Yeah, she Her becomes a receptionist there. Yeah. My, and even, because for the longest time, I was like, okay, how does Phineas relate to this whole, like, through line? Mm-hmm. And the in the end, you realize that's his house. That, that's the mission. The yeah. colonial house was the mission that he worked at. And lived in and started his trading company in, which passed on to his business partner's children. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And you kind of get um, like the house in in this book is pretty much like a character of its own because um, in, in part four, wow, part four, <laughs> it, just, <laughs> right? it just steered really hard to sci-fi and I loved it. I, I felt like <laughs> part four is the reason why I really like, like it's, the, went, ma- it's the main reason why I like the book. Like he went for it. He went for yeah. it. I know that a lot of uh, people on Goodreads was like not okay with that because they're mm. like why like don't add sci-fi randomly and i'm like no it, i this think is, it, yeah this i, I think it's really organic yeah. i i think it, he did it really naturally and i think it was really interesting but there's a scene where my i i think it's kind of like this virtual chamber i guess where my and pig are talking yeah. and my is just like oh let me show you something and then she shows like um like footage of 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 the house and um you see like a shadow falling for a brief second yeah and like pig asks her whose memory is this and she's like it's it's the house the house remembers mm. um like remembers events and yeah and it's just like oh yeah like a place can remember things and and i thought that was like really poignant yeah i mean i feel like memories are distinctly tied to place you might not remember when but you know where things happened yeah right like places things they trigger memories and that was that was another recurring theme was people revisiting places they've been right sammy did it when he was in england and also back in thailand um june tried to do it when she was on that boat tour thing Mm mm-hmm yeah, I was also fascinated by like his speculative um, writing about the future of transhumanism. Yeah, <laughs> um, I thought it was really um, interesting when it went into like climate change stuff. Yeah. And um, I mean, throughout this book, there's a lot of there. There are calamities like you have the uh, cholera in, in the beginning of the book yeah. that starts to form, and then you have all the coups. You have all the coups. You have the October massacre, and 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 then you have like the flooding. So it's just like throughout all of these calamities, people have made it through, 
And um, I th- I think it's really like a story about like no matter how bad things get, humans find a way to like survive. And humans also find a way to create classism. Yes, that too. <laughs> And maybe it's like we're doomed to repeat the same things because as long as there are scarce resources and people with different access to those resources. I mean, that was one of the most fascinating things about that one chapter where it's switching all these perspectives is you see the perspectives of everyone from animals to workers all the way to like the rich like landowners, right? And they all exist in the same place, but they all have massively different perspectives and values. We were talking about like remembrance and um, and like resilience. And I just wanted to share a quote in the book that I really, really liked. Um, and it's about the October massacre of the 1970s. Those October dates swallowed everyone who'd been there in history's giant unlit belly and that history into silence. The forgotten return again and again as new names and faces and again, the city makes new ghosts. Yeah. I mean, that event, it followed me everywhere, right? Like, that was her trauma. Yeah. And, like, I did, like, brief research on it because I've never heard of the October Massacre because, obviously, yeah. I'm not I mean, I'm not I, Thai. And it's, like, really hard to, like... Um, hard- I knew about the coups. I knew there was, like, a coup, like, every few years someone would, like, take power and put someone else in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them were bloodless, but there were some bloody ones. Yeah. yeah. From from what I have gleaned from just like looking up random articles after I finished this book, um, it's it's an event that the Thai government hasn't really addressed officially, and you know it's kind of a thing that they keep trying to bury, and um, it's just like yeah, you're not going to be able to bury that shit. I don't know when you control the means of education. I know, but but the thing is, like, you have survivors, and and yeah. like, even if even if that event is completely erased, I feel like that trauma, like that that impact it had on Thai history, yeah. is not going anywhere. So it is kind of like a ghost that lingers uh, yeah. amongst like the Thai people. Yeah, and uh, it just like it just like reminded reminded me that like revolutions happen with young people mm-hmm. like i feel like every time i hear about like protests in not just like asia but here in america it's always started by like young students and it's always students right because that's when... always students the most powerless people yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the most powerless people in the social hierarchy and also the people who can benefit the most from change yeah i mean history repeats itself like when there is uh injustice in society you see figures that kind of repeat what their uh, yeah. what previous protesters did and kind of like add on to it i mean even in this book yeah things repeat over and over again you know in terms of progress versus history right well a lot of the book is bangkok kind of westernizing right building Mixed-use buildings, condominiums in the yeah. – it's that, it's that need for progress, that need to be a player in the, in, in the global, in global stage, stage while still longing to, like, hold on to everything that makes them tie, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's that tension is throughout the book. Like, even – I mean, what did you think about Sammy's conclusion where he ends up a proprietor of, like, a bread and breakfast and, like – what Boston or something like? I don't know. It's in it's in New England. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know because for me, like Sammy's like ending, quote unquote. I feel like it really wasn't an ending because Sammy feels like he is constantly looking for a place where he can settle, but like it's not the right place for him. Mm. And I guess like for Sammy, it's just like where where is home? Because he's constantly moving, and I, I guess like as a reader, I just kind of, I just kind of think that home is the Bangkok that he remembers in his brain, because <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't exist anymore. I mean, there are parts of it yeah. that that are still left, but it's like I thought it was interesting that his story ends with him getting beat up. <laughs> well, not getting beat up, but like, like 
in adultery, you know? Yeah, things repeat, you know, you make, <laughs> we, we said it earlier in this episode, things yeah. repeat and people make the same mistakes over and over again. And even though he, this time he decides to like, take responsibility, take responsibility it's still, it's still like perpetuating that cycle. But it's one of the things I wrote down was like, something that this book is really interested in is seeing people as a sum total of their experiences. All the characters we see in part four at the end of their, you know, their stories, they're all changed because of everything that happened to them, not in spite, but because of, right? Yeah. And even if some of them try to run away, they're still affected by that thing, those things that happened to them. It's like this, the, the, you know, the later chapters with Pig's son, Woon, who, you're first, you're first introduced to him while he was going through like a, a depressive episode, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, locking himself in his room. Um, uh, but you see him later as like this kind of like researcher, like, like an archaeologist, like an archaeologist. <laughs> yeah. And even though both him and his mom don't talk about that time, right? He talks about other people sometimes. Like that's part of his yeah. story, right? I thought it was, um, like you, you get Pig's perspective. Like her, her son is like locking himself up in his room, and you don't know why. And you kind of see her as this like really, uh, really good mom. You know, it's like oh, she didn't do anything wrong. This just kind of happened, and she's just trying to um, get him out of his room without ruining his future for going into university and all that. And then you get Woon's perspective when he's older. And you find out that uh, Pig was actually not the greatest mother. Like, she would get drunk and a lot of um, angry words would be tossed at him. And then that is, like, partially why he locked himself up. And I was like, Mm. oh, interesting. Did not know that. (laughs) And she would forget that she said all of those terrible things or she got drunk. and, And I was like, oh, okay, like... We are touching back on the theme of, uh, you know, you remember and you forget. But yeah, yeah, it still leaves an impact. And I thought that was like really, really interesting and a good way to like change perspectives. I liked Woon's chapter, the one that's dedicated to his like perspective, because that was the one where you learn about like the transhuman like future that we're all going to live in, where I guess people can live forever in a virtual world yeah it's kind of like um it's kind of like a mm uh like like an mmorpg you know you like pick your avatar and you can be whatever you want to be i like how and this goes back to um prachaya's writing style like being really like almost tactile where he goes in detail of what it feels like to enter that world right you have to drink that cocktail of like electrolytes or something yeah yeah something like that and then it goes through a body scan and then like you get pulled in to to wherever and um and i thought um comparing that to the walk to the waterfall that they take with his mom and family the next day right where you still see pieces of the old world yeah yeah because they're there for like a holiday right yeah yeah and um yeah, there was a line in one of the chapters when uh, June, Mai's daughter, asks Pig about like the Lantern Festival, mm-hmm. like where they like put um, put lights on like a piece of paper and like float down the river. And she's like, "Oh, do you guys still do that?" Because <laughs> you know June is not living in Thailand; she's yeah. living in New York. And uh, like Pig is just like, "Oh, like." Not so much anymore. I mean, they, people still do it, but the water is like gross now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What did you think about the, the the pig in my story? The pig in my story. Yeah. I really, I really don't know because I I feel like they introduced me to all of the cool parts in the book that I liked, but I'm not sure if I actually like their characters. Mm. Um, well, they're both very flawed. Yes, right. yes. Well, my goes from like this um kind of like this tag along character who is pretty much there to 
you know, give pig university notes and she comes from like a middle class family. Mm-hmm. And even though she's like super smart, she's like, yeah, like there's only a few options for me. And then you kind of fast forward and you see that she is like the head of like this technology, like technology that is going to pretty much uh, change the way people live in, in Thailand. Yeah. When she first pulls out that drone, that was like that bird drone. Yeah. And it's like, okay. <laughs> That's not what I was expecting from this book, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that was really weird because you get um cuz you get future Bangkok which is like kind of partly underwater. Mm-hmm. Like people still go people like there are, there are terrible floodings and yeah. and you're just like, "Oh, that's that's really bad. Like I wonder if like they're going to do something about that." And they don't. Just like any other like government, and people still go about their lives. They wear like yeah. freaking galoshes, and they're like, "Okay, I mean, life goes on." They become the Krung Nak, and they're like fishermen people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, and like in my head, I was like, "Well, I heard, I, I briefly heard that it from from like the book jacket description that it's going to go into future." See, Bangkok. I forgot that part. Like I was like, <laughs> "Okay, so this is future Bangkok. It's still yeah. like close enough to the future that I can picture this." Yeah. And then it just jumps ahead. <laughs> it jumps ahead to like uh I feel like it skips at least 50 years ahead from our timeline. I didn't expect that much of a jump, but I'm glad we went there and then we lingered there. Yeah. And then she, and then he brought it back. Brought it back yeah. to uh, Phineas Stevens. Yeah. Like, how is that bro doing? <laughs> and then back to Neat. And then to Clyde again. And to Clyde again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We forgot to talk about Clyde. I was wondering how Clyde would fit into all of the stories because I'm like, okay, he's, you know, he's an American. He's like the expat, right? The expat experience. I, I, I guess. I really don't like the word expat because really, what does that mean? It just means white person, white person, country. white person who has immigrated to a country. <laughs> he is there. He is just an immigrant and immigrant is kind of like a derogatory word yeah. for white people. Well, I think music also plays a big role in this yeah. story, right? Especially jazz. Because mm-hmm, jazz is um, jazz is all about improv. Yeah. Yeah. So because. Um, what what I distinctly remember from the Serapong chapter was that he like quote unquote borrowed his old roommate's like jazz Records, collection, yeah. right? And that's how it tied to uh, Clyde. Mm-hmm. And also, you find out that uh, the the house that he was performing in, the lady who booked him, yeah. is Sammy's mom. Yeah. So like very interesting ways that like Clyde was introduced and kind of woven throughout, and it's. You know, it's also like pretty interesting because um, people are able to find things from the past, like with with Clyde's music. Yeah, like you get it through um, records through Serapong. You get it through uh, through Lucky who, who googles him, who googles him <laughs> and downloads downloads his music. That was that was also like like we don't really get to see much of Lucky. No, but like I don't know. I didn't. We mind. know she grows up and has grandchildren. Yeah, right? yeah, we yeah. know that. <laughs> well, like you know, Lucky is the grandma who like sits next to Pig yeah. in that waterfall scene. Yeah, and I was kind of surprised that she got, you know, she became sort of a main character towards the end. I mean, I feel like you don't. It's like you don't name a character in the story without like some like I exposition guess. about I, them. Yeah. Um, what did you think about the the wound and Pig chapter? A big part of that is the idea of what flail piety will look like in the future and part of that is trying to make your mom into a robot yeah you know and pigs like kind of stubbornness to like remain human yeah right and what what does that even mean yeah what does that mean yeah. and also what does it mean for uh, future generations because they will be paying for the upgrades yeah i i think it's something that hits us more because of our like Asian upbringing, right? In that we're expected to think about this stuff for them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and the whole like, I, I felt like the whole diaspora thing was what I related to most, right? Because I I started thinking about going back to Taiwan and just the fact that like the moment you leave, 
the country that you're from, quote unquote from, right? You become something else. That's what happened to Sammy. That's what happened to Nak. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened to people who came to Thailand, who came to Bangkok, right? Yeah. They became someone else. They became like they were no longer who they were the moment they stepped foot yeah. on or off that place. Uh, one great imagery of that was when Sammy gets not Sammy, um, Phineas gets his trunk back, mm-hmm. which was lost in his you know journey to Thailand, yeah. and he opens the trunk, and you know a lot of the clothes that he brought is like you know kind of ruined by moths, but mm-hmm. then there are some clothes that are like completely pristine, and he's just like, wow, I am a completely different person from when I first came here. Yeah. And, there's really no going back to to who I was, and I thought that was like a really good way of of showing that change. Yeah. Um. I. I mean, like, like I said, I really, I really related to Sammy's story the most of, of like, his story, not 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 Sammy, not, the not guy. him, not him um, as like a terrible person and an irresponsible person. But um, I related to his story a lot, and same thing with Knock. Mm. who <laughs> yeah who is trying to like survive in in japan by right. like running this thai restaurant and but then she still gets the expectation of like the cultural expectation put on her too like, yeah yeah it's just like people know. like thai students and her sister the reason why her sister cuts ties with her is because she does business with like an exiled colonel who is part of like the, the dictatorship yeah part of the coup that killed Serpong. yeah right yeah and with Nock, it's kind of like, well, he like he pretty much saved her business, her business, yeah. and he's just there to eat lunch. But, um, but it's also because she removed herself from politics, so mm-hmm. she didn't know. She, she didn't, didn't know. She didn't realize. She didn't like. She didn't she, like because part of her character is because she had a sister who was more filial, or filial, 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 filial. Yeah. Um, she it gave her the freedom to not have to do that yeah right and she she carries some guilt for it but like the truth is like she's like sammy's they kind of ran away from their responsibilities yeah right yeah and um just also like like uh people from from thailand are telling her like you're a traitor you're not Mm -hmm. like a real thai person and that's something that um is kind of like a like a common sentiment among uh, diaspora Asians because it's like, yeah, yeah, it's just like you're removed from the politics of it all. And sometimes people tell you that you are not enough. And <laughs> that is, <laughs> it's a really common story. Um, yeah. uh, what did you think about the animal chapters? The animal chapters? Uh, I remember when I first reached like the bird chapter, mm. uh, like I kind of like, like after reading the first page of that, I just like set the book down. And I'm just like, am I really reading like a chapter told through like the perspective of birds? Mm. It's like I don't know. Like I, I don't know about this sun. And <laughs> I mean, say what you will about but, those chapters. Like, but I really like them in the end. Yeah, like he, the author, really like he wants to give you every perspective available. I mean, with the with the birds chapter that kind of stands out in my brain because yeah. you see how uh climate change has ruined everything yeah and also like animals have a different sense of time mm-hmm. right yeah. like time passes a lot quicker in those yeah in those like within those pages it spans generations of these migrations and birds mm-hmm. yeah yeah part of what you learn in this book is planet's fucked <laughs> we're we're screwed yeah, um, but, but it's okay as long as we can upload our brains into the. It, it is strangely optimistic, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Saying that we will find a solution, even though it's not the best one. <laughs> but there, was it um, my herself saying that even this is just prolonging? Yeah, it's just prolonging. Yeah, because like who knows if there's going to be a solar flare that will disable all the systems? Yeah, right. Yeah. Like the whole the whole concept of like this post human like trans transference or whatever they called it. Um, it's contingent on the idea that the power will never run out. Yeah. 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 So the author, Pichaya, he like he also like migrated a lot 
during his childhood and during his adulthood. Uh, he spends his time in Brooklyn, like split between Brooklyn and Thailand. And uh, I know that he was like partly raised in Saudi Arabia. So he really does carry this cosmopolitan um, take that kind of is imbued in, in the story. And um, yeah, I'm really glad that we were able to pick up his book because I, I have been looking for books by more uh, Southeast Asian, yeah. um, Southeast Asians. But the problem is um, a lot of them are written by white people. <laughs> a lot of them are written by white people or they haven't been translated into English yet. Because mm. I do I do know that like Thailand does have like a very robust literary community. It's just okay. that like they don't get translated. And yeah. thankfully, uh, Pachaya wrote his book in English. So you you do kind of get like a very interesting perspective on on Bangkok. And I yeah. think because of his own upbringing, he's able to like piece these stories together really, really well. Yeah. You know, what's another big part of this whole book was food. Oh, yeah, food. <laughs> and just like any how, good Asian American book, food is just yeah, on point. But especially how it ties to memory, right? Like a lot of the conversations about how it's food's just not the same anymore or remember that time we had that really great like i don't know laksa or something yeah like it's very prevalent in obviously a uh, knock story who mm -hmm. runs a restaurant because yeah. she's constantly having to like replace and substitute because she's not getting like the actual ingredients yeah and then the fact that like even within her story it starts off just have she starts off only having a Thai clientele, but eventually expands to having a Japanese clientele too because tastes change and people are looking for different things. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And then it, it, you kind of get glimpses of that in uh, Mai and Pig who go to like this old noodle shop and it doesn't taste the same anymore because of the flooding. Yeah. And then in the future where Mai is plugged in to the Matrix and she can just taste whatever she wants anytime she wants. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah, I want to be tasting. I don't know. You just went through. I I, I saw on your Instagram feed that you went through a whole uh, taste my, test of top ramen. Yeah, yeah. I just my friends and I we were trying to think, figure out like what to eat for dinner, and and so you decided on all the ramens. Well, well, the thing is, like, we were watching um, uh, Sung Won Cho, uh, Pro ZD, mm -hmm. and he does a lot of taste tests, and he was doing a taste test on Lunchables, and we're like. We should taste test something. I guess we should do like instant instant noodles. So that's how that started. Um, this uh, this book though. Um, growing up, I had one of my closest friends was uh, was Thai, um, and her and her family ran like a Thai restaurant. So. Like I don't know. Like when when they mentioned like all of the food, <laughs> I was like, oh man, that sounds really good right now yeah. <laughs> like authentic thai food sounds great right now yeah um so yeah i feel like every good asian asian american book has really good food descriptions it is yeah. it is mandatory <laughs> in a way that's like i i hate the word authentic i know i know it's like it's not really what we're going for, but like you can tell it comes from a place of like knowledge, knowledge and love and like experience. experience yeah. You know, huh. we did have um, a comment on our, on our Goodreads forum from Julie, uh, three by five books. Uh, thanks for always writing in Julie. Um, she was mentioning how, um, how like we, like we were saying, it's a hard book to talk about because it's nonlinear. Um, for her, the Nia Knox stories were probably her favorite as well. Um, and the speculative parts later on were interesting too. She also writes, um, one would argue that it's about, quote unquote, water, since it seems to feature prominently throughout the book. The river flooding rain, the Kano's pool, the Koi Pond, the waterfalls at Erwan National Park. If a location has a bay or pond or other water feature, Subantad will mention it. I, I will say one of my main criticisms about this book is that it was too long. I feel like um, for a book that interweaves a lot of characters, a lot of perspectives, and going back and forth in, in time periods, it should have been shorter. Mm. And um, I don't know what the original length was because books get edited very, very heavily. So my guess is that it was much longer. 
And I don't know if that was like a detriment to it. Maybe if it was longer, we would have gotten more meteor um, character perspectives. Mm. But um, yeah, I, f- I wish that it was a bit shorter than 300 and somewhat pages. I thought it was fine. Because I was thinking about what what they would take out. And the thing is like every single chapter the perspectives are all so like I guess if there was anything maybe maybe the Clyde things might have been okay to do without but I still think like his his perspective as like like a an American immigrant, who's living yeah, who's living in Thailand is is important because that that is an experience of Thailand right yeah as is rain which is which, there's a reason which, why yeah. this book is called Bangkok wakes to rain because yeah, more, more often than not they do and eventually that rain will flood everything and kill everything that you hold dear yeah um maybe not kill <laughs> <laughs> not not kill sorry oh. <laughs> i was i was exaggerating but i think it's really interesting that like the last book that we read was uh, darius the great is not okay mm-hmm. and that's also a book that is very central on place yeah. and also like memories and retaining culture and stuff like and that. Diaspora, right? And diaspora. And yeah, diaspora. Re- the return of diaspora. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it was, I think it was a really nice transition from that book to this book. Yeah. And I think as, as a whole, as, as like a collection of interwoven short stories, I, I thought it was really like, I didn't, I never felt like, oh, I just have to get through this chapter to get to the next yeah. knock chapter, right? I was like, okay, this is a Sammy chapter. Okay, this is a my chapter. This is a... And then just being surprised at who he decides to point his point the camera at yeah. each chapter was interesting. Like, I didn't expect June to come back. You know, I didn't expect... Um, I didn't I didn't expect Pig to become a, a, a main like a, a main character, a main character right? Because when you first meet her, she's just like, "Oh, this this girl sucks." Oh, this this rich kid, yeah, this rich girl. <laughs> Say what you will about like the directions this story takes. Um, he's not afraid to like throw wrenches in the lives of his characters. Oh uh, yeah, you know. I mean, that's what makes interesting characters. Yeah. You give them flaws, you give them dreams, and crush those dreams yeah. <laughs> and make them suffer and somehow regain, redeem themselves. Yeah. And you no know, part of the story is the virtues and the flaws of this place. Climate change is really scary. Yeah, we're screwed. Yeah. We're pretty that, was, that was one thought that came to mind when, yeah, I, was, when we, I was reading we, it. We live too close to the beach, Rira. We need to, we need to go inland. <laughs> Well, like I was, I was thinking about like, um, cause like my, my dad goes back and forth, um, between Korea and, and the States and mm-hmm. travels around and, you know, my family comes to visit pretty often. And recently the only thing that they talk about from their trips is how bad the air is in Seoul <laughs> because of like all of the air pollution from like China that is like drifting yeah. to Seoul and also Seoul's own uh, pollution and how like it's affecting their lives. Like before it's just like, like, okay, wear a mask, but now like that is not enough. Like yeah. you, you like you have apps now that like detect how bad the dust is outside and and like my my cousin was telling me that school trips are affected by this like they check their app every morning mm. and they're like okay like there was a school like there was a field trip that was like scheduled for today but obviously that's not going to happen yeah and yeah. it's just like you find ways of kind of adapting to, <laughs> to yeah I to mean, like the planet's like destruction i guess cu- my cousin lives in shanghai and she has a air monitor in, on, in her house too yeah just the monitor inside down downside yeah and yeah. they also have like air purifiers in every single freaking building yeah and i was like that i mean that is sad because you think about like young people and that is the only city like that is their only memory of the city right it's like oh remember the days when you didn't have to wear a mask walking around but if you fix the air what will all the air purifier companies do they'll lose all their business yes capitalism (laughs) (laughs) that's why which which by the way is pretty much uh the theme of want by cindy pond because uh-huh. it takes place in ta- futuristic Taipei where the air pollution is so bad that people have to wear like these like hazmat suits mm. and only the rich people can afford it. And they're like, 
And like uh, all the poor people are stuck with just like like regular masks and it <laughs> a- and it ages them and they die and Well if there's if there's something Bangkok Wakes to Rain has taught us is that even with advances in technology, people will still find a way to To make money off of to <laughs> people will still find a way to have a rich and poor class. Yes. Yeah. Um and um, I guess I will introduce the uh, book for this month, May. Yeah, uh, we're switching it. We're switching things up. I know that at the beginning of every episode, we say that this is a podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. But um, I feel like Pacific Islanders are sadly enough uh, taken out of APAM. Um, I feel like a lot of the focus is always on Asian Americans. And yeah. um, for this month, I would like, I, I wanted us to read a book by an author of Pacific Islander descent. And uh, n- this month's book club pick is This is Paradise. And it's a collection of short stories. And it's written by Christiana Kakawila. Um, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, but I did try my best. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, and I think it's a good transition because it is also very much a very much like vignettes of a specific place and the uh, different people who live in Hawaii. Yeah. So um, I am excited to read this book. I picked it up from the library uh, yesterday. Cool. Yeah. Um, it should be available on Kindle. I know that publication is um, I know that like there aren't a lot of copies available out mm. in the world unfortunately that's that seems to be the case with a lot of books um by pacific islanders like mass mass distribution seems to be very hard yeah. to come by so, but um i i do hope that you are able to uh grab a copy somehow yeah and this co- and this episode will you know it's a time capsule <laughs> once once you find a copy and end up reading it you can always uh listen to it afterward yeah. And uh, also, uh, this story collection came out in 2013, so it's relatively recent. Yeah, that was a struggle finding a book by <laughs> by a Pacific Islander who, uh, you know, came out with a book that was within the 2010s. Mm. So I'm glad that I found it. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to reading that one. Um, and on that note, that'll do it for our discussion of Bangkok Wakes to Rain by Prachaya Supanthad. Uh, hope you enjoyed our discussion. And if you have anything to add um, after reading the book or after listening to our discussion, please go to our Goodreads group um, and let us know your thoughts. And with that, that'll do it for this episode of Books and Boba. Wanted to quickly thank the Potluck Podcast Collective for, um, for letting us be a part of their group. The Potluck Podcast Collective is a collective of Asian-American hosted podcasts, including shows like our show, um, The Collabcast, They Call Us Bruce, First of All, Saturday School, and more. You can find all of our great programs by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. Uh, thanks again also to Visual Communications. This podcast was recorded at the Potluck Podcast Studios located within Visual Communications in Little Tokyo. If you're in LA, check out the LA Asian Pacific Film Festival, which is being held by VC this weekend uh, from May 2nd through May 10th. There's a lot of really great movies here, and um, it's always a great time. Um, you can learn more at festival.vcmedia.org. And yeah, Rira, thanks for chatting. Bangkok wakes to rain with me. Yay. <laughs> you have a lot of books that are on your to-be-read pile. And, I do. Uh, I am very proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> did you just check it on Goodreads? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did. Um, I did. Um, so I tried to read three books this month. I only made, finished two. That's pretty good. Yeah. Considering like... I only read one. <laughs> <laughs> so I win April. We'll, we'll see how May goes. May is jam-packed. But yeah, on that note, for everyone listening uh, to this show... Um, Have a really great Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. Have a great Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, Have a great month reading Asian American books. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Hey, I'm Bill Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and 
celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we've got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace.